0: Hello everyone and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is a special joint episode where we talk about the game against Augsburg as well as well some things that happened during the week at Bayern Munich. This is I Need No Name and I am joined by Swaz, also known as Muller Era for what I think is only her third or fourth podcast overall and her Really, I don't even know how many flagship shows she's done, but she is very new to this. So please be nice to her. Hey, Muller Era, what are you up to?
1: Hi, and thank you for the introduction. I am very good. Uh, How about you?
0: Uh, I could be better, to be honest. I would much rather be playing Armored Core 6 than I would be watching Tuple Ball at the moment. Because, my goodness, this was some of the slowest, most defensive, most least risk taking by Munich like football I have seen full stop like I used to think Ancelotti was bad but this guy like the brand of football it's not really he's good. he's showing
1: and, levels to this game yeah
0: yeah and to be honest like if you think about it we won 3-1 what is there to complain about well I would just say that It's Augsburg, right? And I know that we lost to Augsburg once last season, but well, Nagelsmann never exactly reached amazing highs at Bayern Munich either. So it's Augsburg and we expect a certain level of performance from Bayern Munich that Tuchel's Bayern did not show. But I think that's a conversation for later. First, let's talk about the game. And I think... Our main conversation needs to start with the lineup. So, so uh, to- let me just uh,
1: inter- uh, interject real quick before that. You said something about how Nagelsmann lost against Augsburg. That's like apparently the first time we've gone goalless against Augsburg. If I remember, that's what the commentator said. But something I'd like to bring in is the fact that Tuchel has an objectively better squad than Nagelsmann ever did. And the victory, the victory did? should have reflected that, but it didn't.
0: Well, Nagleton's first season squad was pretty decent. So
1: Yeah, yeah, fair point. Yeah, let's go anyway, back to the so game, te-
0: game. So tell me about the lineup. What did we have?
1: So we had the classic four to three one. We had Ulreich in, at goal and uh, Davies left back Kim upano Majrawi. Kim Goretzka at six and eight. Um then there was Komar left wing. Gnabry in in central midfield that was weird and Sane at right wing and Kane was up front so if you notice that
0: I thought that Sane was in the middle
1: no it was Gnabry in the middle for the most part of the game as well like from what I remember at least
0: well the way I saw it was that Gnabry was more or less interchanging with Harry Kane himself like almost like a second striker and Sane was mostly as the attacking midfielder in the setup because he was often and this is kind of just the weirdness of the shape behind attack in this game. He, yeah, he exactly. and Gnabry were often ahead of Harry King, who sometimes had to drop deep to sometimes collect the ball, which he didn't yeah. get much of anyway. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about, let's go from back to front. So let's start with the defense. Nothing much to say about Ulreich, I think. Do you have anything to say about him?
1: I mean, Ulreich uh, did the classic Neuer style, you know, the yeah, coming in up moment, front yeah. and yeah and i feel like he was trying i feel like ulreich is at this point in time where he's trying really hard to emulate neuer and be like oh i can do the same things he did you don't have to bring in a replacement i told you i'll do all this and i'm going to continue to do all this i think he's in this place where he has to prove himself and he's really trying his best and yeah i actually think ulreich did pretty well today
0: yeah me too it's not like he had much to do really and yeah. I think that's one thing about Tuchel's system that you can say is a good thing because he doesn't give the goalkeeper as much to do. It's the question of what will mm-hmm. change when Manuel Neuer comes back, but the defenders themselves, Davies I thought had an excellent game to be honest and yeah. I think there's a pattern with him this season so far that he has been probably our most consistently good player this season.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, it has been quite a while since we saw any of our players inform Davies for that fact. We haven't seen him do this well in the last two years, if I'm not wrong. And it feels so good, you know. He's doing the exact same thing he's always done in his, his pace, his, uh, his attention to detail, all, that, all the aspects of his game. They're coming back and uh, he's really trying his best with the left wing. But, I mean, the uh, results didn't really reflect too much. We'll get to that a bit later though i mean like if you saw the statistics of which wing was pushing far forward the most and getting the most attacking the left wing was surprisingly really low and that's really weird i think that's more down to
0: the fact that you had koman and Davies there koman wasn't very sharp during the game in my opinion
1: yeah i feel like koman left the left uh, let the left wing down though Davies was trying his absolute best i mean we haven't seen Davies do this well in a really long time it feels good to have him back
0: I would say so. I actually will argue that Davies has more or less been the same person in these last two years. He had a down year after uh, that myocarditis incident, but after yeah. that, he I think he was pretty good in the Hinrunda last season. And it's only in the Rookrunda and only after Nagelson kept on tinkering with things that Davies' his performances started to go down. I thought he was one of our best players at the Rookrunda, sorry, the Hinrunda of last year and this is one of those things with Davies like um I think that he unfairly gets a lot of criticism for stuff like his defending when I don't think he necessarily deserves it and today we say he had a good performance but only because Bayern Munich were on the front foot for most of the game and Davies got to show off all his attacking potential when he has a more defensive game people tend to think that he hasn't had a good game because they don't really notice how important he is as a defender that's just my take on the Davies thing I think that he's always been good and I still think that he should be our first candidate to sign an extension which he has still not done I should point out every week I do this
1: yeah yeah it, it's so weird i feel like uh our squad is still not set in stone it just still keeps floating over water for some reason and there's just so much uncertainty and and it's like we kind of try, tend to brush past players like Davies, who have stayed for a really long time like oh he's gonna stay but there's always a certain level of uncertainty until he signs that extension and also may i add what you said about you know Davies in more defensive situations i feel like people always give him that be like oh he's too far up front to be making the recovery runs and all that crap they do that to him and and i just like to point out the guy has the most insane pace known to mankind and he's always done a wonderful job like the defensive side of things as well so Like he's doing both, and he's doing both really well, both attacking. And in fact, like,
0: wouldn't you want him to be further up front to make more use of his recovery pace? Because what is the point of having a guy that fast hanging back for like why would you do that? In in that case, you're just wasting the pace, you're leaving performance on the table. So I have always thought that the further up front Davies gets the more sense it makes for him because then he can leverage his pace more, he can have more effect on the front line and, well, he can just be he can better can clear overall. up
1: more space for us to be moving forward with as well. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. The other wing, we had Nusar Matsraoui and I think it was a pretty good game from Matsraoui. I wouldn't say it was a bad one, but, like, it was not exceptional. It wasn't like, I would say, for example... The game against Bremen, he was a lot better there. And, well, I can't expect everyone to have an exceptional game every single time. But with Mizrahi and Davies, I think Genundi by Munich have the best starting fullback pairing in the world.
1: That is absolutely true. I'm actually quite worried about Mizrahi's future with the club, though. I mean, the right back right
0: well, position in general. I am not that worried necessarily because first of all, Pavard is leaving. And second of yeah. all, Tuko has no choice but to start Matsraoui now, especially after what happened <laughs> exactly. in the Super Cup. So yeah. I'm hoping that Matsraoui will stay. But you never know with these players what they're thinking. And it kind of does not bode well that Matsraoui was already unsettled after just one year at the club and he wanted to possibly make a transfer. What about the center backs? Um, Kim, first of all,
1: Kim is incredible. I have nothing negative to say about him. He probably has like, a mistake or oh, the uh, I mean the, the the passing. He 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 did pass to the opposition a good number of times, and I was just like, okay, bro, good job. I was just about to praise you, and this is what you do to me. I felt I felt personally attacked, but uh, yeah. I think Kim's the passing was still a business. Yeah, he
0: is still kind of adjusting to the pace of the Bundesliga itself. Like when he gets the ball, sometimes he's just, a, he looks up and he looks a bit surprised that he's already under pressure. He looks like yeah he, he expected I, I mean, like. The poor guy came from Napoli.
1: Yeah. What do you expect? I mean, oh God.
0: Like, the, I don't, yeah, I, I expect a little bit more. I mean,
1: but yeah no, I, I guess, obviously. I guess that.
0: I guess that Kim like in general his passing is good but his awareness of where he's passing could use a little bit of work because he did put his own players under pressure today with his Mm. errant passes but in comparison I would say UPA had an absolutely amazing game I think I don't know I think Seiler is doing the match awards today and I think uber deserves the kaiser award because like
1: oh god yes
0: yeah because this game this specific type of game against Augsburg, i think this is the perfect type of game the game that is built for uber meccano because what happens is Bayern Munich spend the vast majority of the game with possession. And then when Augsburg get possession, they will always try to get a quick pass to release one of their runners who will try to run behind the centre-backs. UPA is extremely good at handling passes like that and today he showed exactly. that he basically he basically swept out everything upa is not as good when he has to be something like a physical duel with uh center forward like someone like erling Haaland or nicholas Fulbright. yeah
1: oh god yeah. the times he was i don't think uh upa's ever had a half decent game against Haaland. Uh, I he think had right one the time when he was it was until uh, he like had one good
0: you. game against Haaland back when it was, I think, Nagelsmann's first game in charge in the DFL Super Cup against Dortmund. Upper did have a good game against Haaland there. That was, in fact, I think that was UPA's first official game for Bayern as well. There, but that was like a Nagelsmann masterclass, really. That was Nagelsmann kind of using... Yeah, I don't
1: know. That game was on things. a different yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. But, but the thing is, words, I don't yeah. think we have too many physically strong strikers left in the league right now. I mean, Sasek Eliasic, he moved to, uh, he moved to well, Wolves and... Kolamwani? Oh, yeah, Kolo Muani, but like you don't know whether Kolomwani is going to stay either right ah
0: uh, well psg are uh, just offering only 80 million for a player that frankfurt have four year contract on so um i feel like kolomwani yeah Mwani but has but then for at least psg one year. for
1: some for some godforsaken recent psg have this extremely strong idea that they're gonna seal kolomwani they're gonna get him well
0: they want I, him I because know. well mbappe wants him and mbappe and Kolomane oh yeah friends yes yeah but yeah no anyway, and anyway, that anyway, and also anyway, you know with of, this yeah yeah speaking of which like getting back to the topic at hand Upamecano himself like this is the perfect game for him and i think it really showed his passing was good his defending was great his i have no complaints this is the Upamecano, we saw for ninety percent of last season, and unfortunately, we did not yeah. see against Man City, which has given him almost irreparable damage to his reputation. I saw when Delic after Delic came on, and it was Delic's mistake yeah. that and Delic and Lima's mistake that allowed Augsburg to score, and people were slandering Upamecano in the comments, which just makes no sense. I think that this guy has just become a lightning rod for criticism a for no reason yeah exactly it's just it just making it's sense. just
1: at the moment something goes wrong with the difference oh open you did it and then Lebron's is just like no he, yeah. he does an excellent job i don't know Delict. i feel okay we'll get to the delay a bit uh, as we go on but wow yeah. i mean there's quite a bit to talk about this continue yeah
0: please. the other players were Kimmich and goretzka so Kimmich. um we're, we're going to have to talk about Gretzka in detail. So I'm just going to say about Kimmich, I don't think he had a bad game, but I don't think he had a good game either. A very, It's not a it's not a Hallmark Kimmich performance by any means, and his corners remain as bad as ever.
1: The corners, uh, I mean, uh, Kimmich's corners were bad, and Sané ended up emulating that as well. He was just basically trying oh, to yes. rip off Kimmich at a point. Corners, and it was just yeah. like, please, it let's just... not get an... I started crying the moment we saw another corner. <laughs>
0: Yeah, at this point, I would rather just not have corners really because it's just really bad. And but Goretzka, he's back. Um, I think, right?
1: Yeah, no, I actually saw Goretzka this game, and I was just like, "Thank God!" Because you, Goretzka, was not only just like sidelined, like by Tuchel, he was basically ostracized. And kicked out of the squad to a point where it was like Goretzka, who he doesn't exist within in the squad at all. The fact that he had to be brought back in today and he proved his merit, that really does mean a lot because uh, I really do think Kimmich and Goretzka is the best midfield pairing in the whole world. I may be biased, but uh, they really yeah, are the I best. Yeah, I would say you are together. pretty biased.
0: They might not even be the best midfield pairing at Bayern if you ask certain people some uh, certain people being possibly Thomas I... Tuchel or Conrad Limer, but well
1: no Thomas Tuchel has a problem with both Kimmich and Goretzka he doesn't like anybody in the midfield so you're talking about the wrong yeah person. but he's a
0: cynic. He, he, he's he's talking about signing someone like Wilfred Ndidi from I, <laughs> I don't know where um some some place like he will sign the most mediocre players known to man instead of using Kimmich and Goretzka who have won the travel but well today Goretzka was he very good who got relegated right yeah
1: yeah they they, yeah. they play the championship now
0: yeah so this just tells you to go he just he he came to india he was in kerala and all he did was yeah. watch he, all he did was watch the premier league didn't he He didn't even know i bet that yeah exactly the on the TV. yeah it's just it, no um, i'm actually
1: embarrassed he came to south india and he did the most embarrassing possible crap yeah, also, yeah. a weird, a weird like tangent, but there's apparently a guy in Kerala who was such a huge Arsenal fan. He named his kid Arsenal. Uh
0: huh. Could have named his kid Arsenal. <laughs> so I think which state is state actually is a name. Uh, I mean, look, it's not even the weirdest thing I've heard. But look, it wouldn't even be the top ten weirdest things that Arsenal fans have done. So we are again going off topic. The game, the game. Look, the attack i don't think we should talk about the attack in terms of individuals but as overall and overall yeah. i'm gonna say that it was insipid it was boring it was um not very good at opening up augsburg it was just like uh it wasn't good i'll just say that
1: it was awful i, I mean See, individual players, nobody's going to talk about because the attack has to perform as a cohesive unit. And I don't think it can do that without Thomas Muller. But but my God, wh- what were these people even on? D- did you see the way Gnabry and Harry Kane kept doing that switcheroo? Yeah,
0: look, just like- it's just like Harry was in every attack. It felt like Kane was nowhere exactly near the ball. And when he was in a good position to get Pass or a through ball, no one ever made the pass. Mm-hmm. It was like the only person it felt like who was actually making a pass to Harry Kane was Alfonso Davies, who got his assist. It was, I don't know, I like Tuchel. I think really needs to figure out this problem because if right now, Kane is,
1: attacking and passing is what the attack were really intent on doing. Sans Kane. we're not going to talk about Kane for now. We're talking about the wingers and Ganabri. Well, the and wingers, it, it's
0: just they did what they've always done right this is just yeah this is, being mindless is nothing new for a Bayern Munich finger they, this is just what they do and Coman well I, I don't want to say that Coman was necessarily mindless because the through ball to release Davies which led to Kane's goal was from Coman himself so they have like they're not bad players they just don't play that well very often it's just that kind of thing and Tuchel's system on top of that, it's just not a system that seems to create many chances. Kane, I think we need to talk about it. I was going to pass you yourself, at
1: it is you know. not a system. I was going to pass you at it is not I think, a system. No, 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 I we,
0: we can't just say that it's not a system because it's bad. Because it is a system. There is a plan here. The plan just sucks. I won't say yeah. that it necessarily sucks in terms of getting results because we have won two games so far. But I will say that it definitely sucks Against Werder
1: Bremen and Augsburg.
0: Well, we, we lost to Augsburg last season, right? So I mean look, yeah. we can't take any points for granted. I will say that. But but just looking at two goals buy-in, does it pass the
1: eye test? No, it is it it feels like the game is excessively dragging and motions that I would have seen over, say, a ten minute span. Occur over thirty minutes. It's like we take thirty minutes to even decide that we're going to go for a goal, and and I think that's very concerning because if we don't show that level of urgency, we're not going to stand apart as an elite European team. Yeah, exactly. Because
0: how are we gonna if we ever go one nil down, for example? Do you see this team ever actually clawing back? We scored first against Bremen and we scored first here, but if we had. But if and we had fallen back, fortuitous. we
1: wouldn't have.
0: And and the goals themselves, the first two goals we scored were very fortuitous. The one that was a deflected on goal and the other was a handball that led to a Kane penalty, which was probably his yeah. first chance to the like, entire match.
1: And probably the first goal shouldn't even have been considered. They never even checked for offside. They were like, they just checked obsessively. We don't, to we don't it care it about this. We don't
0: care about those things.
1: <laughs> okay, my bad. We, those. we take on. those.
0: Look, but <laughs> yeah, the thing we take is, those. like... It, And it comes back to Kane. And we have to talk about Kane here. Because how many touches did he have? I don't know. I didn't count. But, like, he needs service. He's not getting any service and he still had two goals today. That tells you what a player we have on our hands here. This guy is world-class. And, like, (laughs) I don't understand. Like, this should be the easiest thing for any player at Bayern Munich to do. If you need to send the ball into the box... You look for harry kane you know where harry kane is you know you should he should be your first point of reference right and for whatever reason be your first
1: point of reference except except the only person that understands this is probably thomas muller well
0: i can't even say that because today thomas muller was subbed on and he didn't even get the chance to pass to kane because well thomas muller literally did not get the ball i think even twice and part of that is down to the they fact were, that Tuchel, they were
1: punting the ball across the field like there was mm, there was Tuchel, no plan in place they were just that's doing because Tuchel,
0: the subs right Tukul's subs yeah were um experimental they were experimental I will say I <laughs> well they were experimental because look Conrad Limmer is a right back and Mathis Delict on who did not have a great outing in my opinion
1: oh no Matitel,
0: was off. yeah matital on the right when we know for a fact that he's more of a left winger uh I don't yeah know. i
1: was but... very confused what were we i mean i understand to his time to experiment but he really did choose what was a really awful game to do it because we were never we were only in control because it was augsburg we were well, never that really is that is still the game a per good sea. a
0: good reason to do it because you, it's not like you would do this against man city right but
1: oh no absolutely well, not.
0: gravenberg also came on and he was a left wing i think it was it was all very weird and it kind of kind of ruined i think kane's chances of potentially getting a hat trick today because he did have he did have maybe a chance or two after that but simply not enough to really say that he had a game where he could say in fact I would say the game Kane had a game to forget even after he scored two goals because he's often just not involved he did not even have a chance to show off his own playmaking abilities because he got the ball so rarely
1: exactly I mean whatever he got out of the ball was because of himself and not because any one of the attackers was necessarily doing a, a good job of getting it to him.
0: Yeah, it is like it. It's one of those. I things don't know. I you, you have say, a striker like, this good. Look, it's one of those things. Like the coach has to decide what he wants to do. And right now, Thomas Tuchel. Exactly. Thomas Tuchel. He seems to want this type of football, like this extremely slow, patient style of football, which does not seem to have any of fit. the intensity that we're, like, used to. Like, look at the pressing. It doesn't when... fit
1: Bayern. It doesn't fit the league to begin with. It doesn't suit the league at all. Yeah. You cannot be in the Bundesliga playing slow yeah, face like Sometimes football. It looks, sometimes,
0: sometimes it looks like a La Liga team out there because, like, Bayern, when Augsburg
1: had,
0: to... yeah. I mean... had the ball, they were just not, like, they were under no pressure they got the ball and they could push up like 10, 20, 30 yards before Bayern Munich even started counter-pressing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then the defense always got involved in like this one last situation where they weren't necessarily getting involved in the start. It was like, oh, wait, they have the ball. And it took them like 10 seconds to process that. And by the time they were already on on route to, to like score a goal. The only yeah. reason they didn't score is because they're Augsburg
0: well, well they did shoot. end up scoring and the they they did end up scoring which was um not a moment of glory for us but that I can kind of oh, put down yeah. well to these subs and what tukul did and that's the we reason we were quite literally
1: we were quite literally ball watching at this point we we just let them walk through and score and it was just absolutely embarrassing there was no cohesion nobody was looking nobody was thinking. Uh,
0: nobody thinking is kind of Tukul's M.O. at this point, but <laughs> yeah. what what positives do we take from this game? So aside from Davies and Goretzka, what positives do we take from this game? Um,
1: the positives, uh, I would say probably Upamekhanu, obviously you forgot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also I would say that we can see that Ulreich is more than ready to actually put in good amounts of effort. I mean, we've always seen Gulreich as this like very... Um, unreliable player and i think we should stop looking well, i don't
0: necessarily then... see him that way but
1: yeah i mean no ulreich always gets a lot of crap you've well, seen a that, lot right? of players mm-hmm. get yeah, a
0: lot of crap at buying unique i see leon goetz uh, get a lot yeah, of crap enough. thomas Müller get a lot of crap a lot of players get a lot of crap but yeah um it's kind and of Kane, that obviously
1: and Kane, i mean uh, i mean if I, there's I, anything at, this, to point, I, of, at just... this
0: point i would honestly say that kane's performance is a negative because it shows that he can paper over the cracks for a little while but, like, against a big team, not not Augsburg. Say, for example, Manchester City.
1: He's, oh, no, we're getting torn apart.
0: Yeah, we're going to get torn apart. Because if you give the amount of space that we gave to Augsburg, and amount of space and amount of time we gave to Augsburg, if you give that to Manchester City, you're going to get torn apart. And people are going to say, no, that's not how we're going to play against Man City. Tuchel just put this out against Augsburg. But no. what makes you think... That exactly. I can play completely differently against a better team like Man City. When realistically, this is about as good as we are going to play with these players on the pitch. Exactly. With this coach in charge against a team like Arsenal.
1: It's just Tuchel, Tuchel has this idea of bringing, I, I think I said this earlier, but Tuchel has this idea of bringing the Prem to Bundesliga. When mm. in reality, the Prem should kind be of go- football, going nowhere.
0: This kind of football would be mocked in the Prem for being completely boring and insipid. But then again, who knows what the Premier League fans think. They genuinely think that the league, nothing in football matters outside of the league, which is just... Absolutely, um,
1: yeah.
0: But then again, we have a coach who seems to think that way as well. But... um.
1: Yeah, as you said, he'd be more down to buy a player from Leicester. Whom did you say? NDD? He would be more down to buy a player. Yeah, he'd be more down to buy that. At this point, I would rather just
0: not have another DM, to be honest, because of the way Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. You you remember back when we actually had too many DMs and people were arguing about who we'd get to play? That was
0: ages ago. That was years ago. That was Um, ages
1: ago. It (laughs) feels like ages ago. Because Sabitzer left and uh, whom else? yeah zombie
0: yeah. left after that it yeah it is it is Damn. a long time ago and well i think that have we exhausted all our talking points today i'm going to say yeah. that i am not going to bring up the thomas Muller topic today because oh, i feel God. that yeah. i i feel that first of all the person i'm talking to right now is her handle is literally muller era and I'm, exactly. i am mean, i mean i mean i'm my name i mean people know what i think about thomas muller so i'm just gonna say this i did not like that thomas Tuchel did not start thomas muller and i was not happy with the way thomas muller was used today as a substitute but i will concede that there is nothing for me necessarily to complain about if muller was genuinely not fit enough for the game and we still won and we still got all three points so i will at least pretend to be happy it's not going to last in my opinion we're going to need Thomas Muller I'm eventually. And I. Yeah. It, even though Dero Sani had a good performance in his place today, we're going to need Thomas Muller eventually. But I, I don't see the point in going on and on about it in this podcast when Chuck has already talked about it and me and Samarin have already talked about it in our previous episodes. So if you're interested in that angle, please check out our previous episodes because I feel like this Thomas Muller thing, we talk about it over and over and over again, and there's really no need to repeat ourselves every single week.
1: So yeah, there's no my... need for you to, for us to be ruminating over that same topic. Yeah. But I'm just going to say one thing. The Tuchel system is horrible, but the only antithesis, the only thing that's going to work while the Tuchel system still wants to exist is if Thomas Muller plays in his exact position. Because he works with his own tactics in mind. I don't think on the pitch, Tuchel's crap is going to uh, really manifest in any form if Thomas Muller is on there. Because if Thomas Muller is on there, I don't think Thomas Muller is that
0: powerful. Because Thomas Muller could not save save Niko Kovac. So... Thomas Muller, I don't think, is that powerful. Bro, but...
1: Thomas Muller barely played under Kovac. He got benched. That's how in first, he got in the first se-
0: In the first season, but in oh, the second season.
1: In the start of the season, Kovac was seen as some sort of a tactical magician. So I'm not wrong.
0: Yeah, he was. Because yeah, that he, was... Was doing, he was doing great. Because he was copying you, Pankas. Which is the best thing you can do. I me a coach. But anyway, we yeah. are getting way, way, way off topic here, I think. We should go on to our second part of the podcast, which is not game related, but related to Bayern Munich, which is the topic of Benjamin Pavard. So just give me a second here and maybe we will have an ad here. I have not decided yet. So I think the major topic of the week has been Benjamin Pavard and his antics at Bayern Munich. So we talked about this last week, but Pavard has allegedly agreed a deal with Inter Milan. And in fact Bayern Munich also has a deal with Inter however despite that well Bayern Munich do not want to seem to let him go because for whatever reason we want to find a replacement first and it kind of feels strange to me this entire situation because we had a replacement in Josef Stanisic and we let him go and now Pavard has allegedly taken absence from training without training, yeah yeah, and he allegedly has a back problem, which is usually the code the clubs use to say that the player has left without permission. And
1: it's basically the way of saying the players on strike.
0: Yeah. And now, well, by Munich are without a second right back, which is why we saw Conrad Limer come on as a right back versus Augsburg. Tell me what you think about this entire situation, like top to bottom, because I think the fans already know what I think in general terms, especially about Pavard.
1: You don't like Pavard, but actually I like him. I, Why? I've always been like a problem. No, because see, Pavard, my problem with Pavard is he's an awful fullback. He shouldn't be playing fullback for Bayern Munich. I'm sure anywhere else he might be a great fullback. But at Bayern Munich, his job was to be a right-back and he never did it all that great. But the thing is, Pavard has been always solid. I mean, he's always been a very solid player. When we played played him at centre-back or when he was in a more defensive situation or when he was just trying to get the ball away from the, the opposition, I've always found him to be pretty reliable at that end. But it never felt like Pavard was playing with a purpose. It never felt like he ever actually wanted to play for Bayern. Like, I don't know. It's been a while. Pavard's always been one foot in, one foot out. But he's never played with this level of conviction and like, oh, I want to play for Bayern Munich. I want to win titles with this team. He has never had that in him, but... I've never really hated him. I mean, I did have uh, a lot of trouble. I mean, you and I, we kind of tend to agree on a lot of things. And Pavard, I used to not like him at all. But I think over a course of time, uh, a lot of players were disappointing. And whatever Pavard did, I was just like, okay, fine. This is better than whatever is going on right now. Probably I dropped my standards there. But moving on from that. um, Again, as I said, he's always been one foot in, one foot out. And... The fact that uh the uh, in the start of the preseason Tuchel was insistently starting Pavard really had me scratching my head because the, it's he, he's made it abundantly clear he wants to leave. Why would you play him at that point? Nobody knows. And and I think the moment Pavard realized, oh wait, he wants to keep playing me, uh, and like he wants to kind of tie me down to this club. Pavard is just like, no, I'm going to I'm going to say I have back pain. I'm going to say have nausea or whatever he's been saying and also and and he's also absented himself from training for quite a while now right it's been like three four days if i'm not wrong yeah
0: something and, like that
1: and the thing is and the thing is um our only source of information on this uh, on this front is built so i don't really know how much to take out of what they're saying but it's very clear that he's pushing for a move and it's I mean, I don't understand. We, we, uh, I feel like, you know, Stanisic moving to Leverkusen was something that, you know, Uli and like Kale they were planning with Fabio Alonso for a very long time. they always been like, you know, been like, oh, at, at, at a certain juncture, we would want you to take Stanisic and we'd want you to give him play time. And I think this was probably something was already pre-discussed and probably just, we never got to know about it because the timing of it seems very off, right? The timing of Stanislav's move seems very off. It feels like it was already planned and just executed at this point in time. What do you think about that?
0: I do think that is true, but in a sense that it was planned with the idea that Pavard would stay, and the fact that yeah, exactly, Pavard, yeah, the fact that Pavard has now decided to well leave, and we have actually somehow managed to agree some alleged deal with Inter really complicates things because Sanisic needed to go for game time. Tuchel made it abundantly clear that he was not giving Sanisic whatever game time he wanted. And that kind of put... That's just one of those,
1: again, one of those things, right? Tuchel keeps going against anything that the club wants. And I think that's so weird. I mean, if it was any other coach, he'd probably have been sacked by now already for all the stunts that Tuchel keeps pulling now and then.
0: Not really. Well, Tuchel... Every coach has these moments at Bayern Munich, and generally the club overrules them. But the thing is, yeah, in general, in general, what I'm saying is, Tuchel and the club seem to want a replacement to Fard. That is why
1: and the transfer they is tried being held so on. hard. I mean, I don't know how hard they tried, but it looked like they were trying really hard because you remember back. At what feels like 5 billion years ago, we tried for Pavard Walker and at a certain point we frustrated them so bad that Guardiola was just like, no, thank you, we're going to keep Walker, you can keep Pavard and they just backed out. Every team that came to court Pavard, like take him away, was just met with the most awful, (laughs) was met with the most awful responses from Bayern. They were like, you give us this much and we'll consider it. And... I feel like uh, at this point, no matter how much you give for Pavard, the club probably won't be happy. And also there's uh, one thing you need to know is that I know Inter very well and I know for a fact that they don't like giving a lot of money. You uh, you heard of the Isn't last that time Inter actually wanted broke? to spend on... <laughs> it's a, a part, a partly because they're broke, but they've been broke for a very long time. But no, it's yeah. not just that. It's just Inter are known for being extraordinarily stingy.
0: Hmm. Well, like, I would be stingy yeah. too if I were broke. But, well, <laughs> I'm going to just say one uh, thing.
1: You would be stingy, you said, you would be you stingy said, if you were about trying to bet Benjamin Pavard.
0: <laughs> Look, well, yeah. yeah, I would be that as well. But the thing is, okay, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to point out there's this weird double standard when it comes to Benjamin Pavard versus other players. Because I swear that if any other player were sitting out games in, an in- and training in an attempt to force a move, to any other club, they would be immediately turned on by the entire fan base. I just don't understand. They would have why. had
1: their faces broken at this point.
0: Mm. Well, I wouldn't put it that way, but yeah, they would be. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah they on.
0: would be, they would not be, um, well, they would not be met with this much support or at least this much indifference, which kind of tells you, first of all, how little Bayern Munich fans do kind of think of Benjamin Pavard, but also just like the strange behavior by meaning fans have towards Benjamin Pavard when i used to criticize him for his performances and his interviews and all that stuff people would always like there was always a contingent that would very strongly defend Pavard they'd be like and oh
1: and you're just going against Pavard for no reason the poor yeah. guy did nothing why are you always yeah. keep shitting on him Whereas, there was always yeah. this one pro Pavard that there were pro one pro i'm pretty reason. sure
0: anti bavard voices were um the majority as far as i'm concerned but yeah so it's just strange to me how this guy has somehow captured this specific how should i say family as yeah this specific fan base that by meaning by doing as far as i can tell nothing particularly yeah uh, good because there are players that perform better than him players that love the club more than him players Thomas that don't not even Thomas Muller, literally any I can name literally a dozen players on our team right now who seem to identify Dimit. with the club more than Benjamin Pavard. Why are you naming like players that are absolutely completely committed to us? I can say players like freaking, I don't know, even Bunasar, someone who is more... <laughs> bro
1: Bunasar gets a four million paycheck for sitting on the bench. Anybody would be committed to a team that pays him yeah. four million for but sitting look, on a bench.
0: Anyone. But the point is that Povard is out here. Okay, he doesn't want to be here, but for whatever reason, and he's very not only making it clear that he doesn't want to be here, he's doing it in a very unprofessional way. And for whatever reason, I don't see any backlash against him, which is very interesting to me. It's just like, it's one of those things. It's just like, how does this guy have this much pull with this fan base?
1: He doesn't deserve it in any form or shape either. And I don't understand, w- and how in in which way has his uh, even okay fine. Let's think of it this way: when Lewandowski wanted to leave, we didn't want him to leave because he's a brilliant striker, right? Now, yeah. what exactly does Pavard bring to the table that no other player we have does? I mean, is he a good attacking fullback? No. Does he always keep? Yeah. Does he always keep playing at right back regardless of whether or not he wants to play there? Yes. You have an unhappy player playing a position that he doesn't want to play, wanting to exit the club, and yet people are okay with it for some godforsaken reason. I don't... Again, yes, there is kind of no reason for us to be backing Pavard, except one. What? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, people are, for some godforsaken reason, scared of playing Nozir Malrawi.
0: I don't think that's... That cannot be true. Who out here in this world is actually... Actually wants... Other than Thomas Tuchel, actually wants... Benjamin Pavard instead of Newsome Masravi. I do not understand.
1: Uh, there's going to be people out there saying, oh, Mazraoui never really played, blah, blah, blah. They want to go on that tangent. And Pavard has played for us since Because he had COVID and, go and got
0: that. myocarditis? Is that why, you know?
1: In general, we, I don't think uh, we are really receptive to anybody that doesn't get too much playtime. It's like this whole cycle of... Player doesn't get playtime. We aren't receptive towards him. Player doesn't get playtime. It's that one vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But we, for some, uh, if Pawar will always have his fanboys, regardless of whether or not he plays, he he will get hate when he does play, but he will end up having, having fanboys either way. That's kind of how it works. And and it's so obvious. I mean, if see, I I'm not really the first person to trust anything that Bill says. But they have been repeatedly saying that Bavard is well, he's not the nicest guy out there and that he is willingly trying to piss off the club. And yep. also and also we kind of have some of the worst replacements in mind for him. Like yes. I think it was yesterday. Yesterday the the news that came out was we had Belakotchev, Klausemann, and Kerr.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, if Kerr comes to find Munich, I- I'm going to I'm- <laughs> I'm not like, gonna do anything. I'm. Gonna, I'm not gonna do anything. But I'm gonna complain a lot. Okay, which is realistically the only thing I can do as a human being and as a fan of the club. Like,
1: do you I don't think, care.
0: Uh, th- like, how is how?
1: I don't understand. The thing is, um, I-, I think. Um every person on the board right now is a diehard German fan with some of the, you know how Germany fans are, right? They have extremely strong opinions. And I'm pretty sure Uli Hernes is a very strongly opinionated person. And I don't think he's going to let Thilo Kerr into this club. Isn't he? And, and the, Are
0: we sure? I that?
1: don't <laughs> I hope Uli Hernes doesn't let Kerr enter.
0: Mm-hmm. We can only hope but like do you think that by Munich, like should Pavard leave, do you think that by Munich 110% needs a replacement like the media and Tupo are saying?
1: See, I'm I'm not going to say. Uh, see, the things we, uh, wait, the last time we actually had a good number of right backs was probably when we had we had Sula, we had Pavard, we had Stanisic all at the same time, right? Two years ago.
0: Yeah, and Kimik as well. Don't forget him.
1: No, no, uh, yeah, Kimmich was... uh, But but then Nagelsmann was never really keen on playing Kimmich unless the squad was extremely depleted. Oh, coming to Kimmich at right back. Like, like, it is so abundantly clear that Kimmich doesn't want to go to right back. It's like, please don't let me go. Please don't send me back there. I mean, at this point, we've seen Kimmich literally just be like, please don't send me back there. I'm here in DM. I'm here at number six because I don't want to go back to right back. And... And I think Tuchel, uh, at this point, if he doesn't get a replacement, he's going to push for Kimmich to move back. And I think that's not going to end well for anybody.
0: What about Conrad Limer at right no. back? Well, we did see him there today.
1: No, uh, I, I'm so sorry. I don't think I saw enough. I don't think I saw enough of a reason for me to have want Conrad Limer at right back. See? I am the number one Leimer proponent at any given place, but I'll tell you something. Leimer is good because Leimer is good as long as he sticks to midfield. I don't want us to be doing weird experimentation at this point, especially when we know for a fact, okay, fine. How, how can it get any more complicated than, I mean, life isn't that complicated at Bayern Munich. You stick, you think, you stand in that place and you think, what would your behind do? What would Hansi Flick do? Emulate that, get results, move on. It's not that hard, right? Well,
0: given that we have to talk about Thomas Muller every single um, every year or so, we have to talk about whether Thomas Muller deserves a spot on the lineup or not. I think I mean, life at buying may actually be that hard, but um, I mean was um, it
1: was it under was was it in question when Hansi Flick was in? No, exactly. I mean, see, but Hansi like- Flick
0: his tenure lasted such a short amount of time that it, was basically, yeah. it it feels like the exception rather than the norm.
1: Oh, that makes so much more sense. And also, we can't really be talking about Jupp Heynckes at this point. You Heynckes had what was a drastically different squad, and that was years ago as well. So what is exactly the norm at Bayern Munich? <laughs> Back to square one, we really don't know what the norm at Bayern Munich is.
0: Well, the normal by me, no, in my opinion, the... is drama. Nothing else.
1: It's just unnecessary drama. I, 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 you remember when I Bill was making shit up? You, you remember when Bill was just making crap up and life was a lot easier back then? Uh, uh, no, I don't
0: know, because maybe just... Bill, Bill still makes things up.
1: It still makes things up, except they're the only people making things up. So we don't even know. Yeah, well,
0: we need content,
1: right? We do. But on the topic of a Pavard replacement, we should probably not be buying someone new at this point. Not a Mm hard take, I know, but it it feels so weird. Like, why would you want to bring in a new defender at this point? If Pavard leaves, let him leave. Play Masrawi. We have... Okay, fine. You will need a backup, but at that juncture, I'm pretty sure one of the, uh, I'm pretty sure someone will be willing to do it. I mean, is Masrawi the only playing? The, uh, apart. Okay, fine. Masravi is the only right back now, right now, right? Apart from Saar and uh, Kimech, right?
0: Well, depending I'm on sure how that... you see Limer, but yeah.
1: No, I'm not. Please limer and kimik please stay within the midfield please do not come back we don't want you here well, if limer doesn't go to right player.
0: back i'm starting to think that he's not going to get any minutes at all so
1: oh god no i mean i, I mean we always knew that there would be something very weird happening but i don't understand limer at right back is i mean he he is pretty versatile Lime is a pretty versatile player and we could see him at right back in a situation where we can't play Masdravi. But let's not get another right back is what I'm thinking. I'm usually not the person to say, let's not get a replacement in, but I don't think this is a, this is really a point in time where you're going to get a replacement in because Tuchel, Tuchel, you know what he's going to do? He's going to get a replacement and he's going to bench Musrawi. That's what he's going to do. Tuchel's idea of a replacement is to kick players out of the squad.
0: Mm, Perhaps. Maybe that's why we wanted Kyle Walker. But anyway, um, is that?
1: I mean, yeah. You No, you think about it this way. He's getting Kyle Walker of all people who has been playing for Man City for God knows how long into a squad. that prob- A player of that level as a replacement, nobody is coming in as a replacement if they've played at Man City for so long. It doesn't really make sense for us to be thinking about it that way. The moment Walker popped up, I was like, "Yeah, whoever is playing right back is getting kicked out." That's what Tuchel is doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm probably a little harsh on him, but isn't this a very natural, like, line of thought to be going on?
0: Yeah, it is completely natural, and it is pretty much um, the conspiracy theory that we have also discussed with this podcast before. But like, it is also like it should also be pointed out that well, right now, buying Munich. If we if we assume that we do not have how should I say that Kimmich is going to stay in midfield and Conrad Limer is not a true right back replacement, then it doesn't it make complete sense for Tuchel to be pushing for Pavard sorry, not Pavard, for a proper replacement to Benjamin Pavard, even if that replacement is maybe not that good because it's not like we I'm want not, to start I'm not- like
1: yeah, you don't want not, to start a If the Champions replacement game isn't with. going to start over masrawi I'm happy. Well, that
0: is just kind of the risk you run with tukul Like you never know who he's gonna start.
1: Exactly. And but then the thing is, um oh yeah, there is no clear starter with Tuchel. You made a completely I was just thinking for a second, oh wait, is there something? Well, I think there is one there is one clear starter
0: that is with tukul which is Harry Kane. But other than that yeah yeah
1: but no. <laughs> no you you would be completely out of your mind and if you were to bench harry kane for anybody else for that fact but we're he not might. gonna go on that tangent it's harry kane for the love of god
0: i mean we I only spent we... 120 million euros on him maybe we should spend a exactly he's getting striker. his
1: arch kicked if he doesn't do that if he doesn't start kane every game i mean the, the, the board is gonna be like Bro, what are you up to? (laughs) If they're not already
0: thinking, if they're not already thinking that. Okay, so that's our so I guess we are in are we disagreeing on the Pavard thing? Because I think that honestly, by meaning, first of all, we should have rushed into a lot more than this because like this is way too late to be talking about a transfer. This is like
1: Exactly. We're we're already two games into the season
0: yeah and and like why the
1: hell why the hell didn't
0: Pavard get this sorted way earlier like way earlier being literally months ago but the other thing is um well we talked about you ever get the slightest
1: idea that no let me hold you there for a second i'm sorry Do you ever get the slightest idea that the club has probably been stalling on Pavard's behalf for a very long time? Because whatever news we did end up yes. getting about Pavard yes. was like, oh, yes. XYZ the club is interested in Pavard. They're looking at Pavard. It was never, yes. they're having a conversation with Pavard and management. And Yeah, I kind of like, get the oh, feeling that
0: Bayern Munich kind of stalled with Pavard just to see if they could convince him to stay. Kind of like what Daniel Levy did with Spurs, you know, but...
1: Oh no, what
0: it Daniel is, Levy did was criminal. It was maybe criminal. But it's not exactly criminal in the sense that we can't actually send it to jail for it, although we might want to. But but yeah. the thing is that Bayern Munich kind of held out hope that Pavard would extend. I do not know why. And I do not know what Benjamin Pavard has done to merit this level of consideration from a team like Bayern Munich when I have seen this club move on much quicker from players like I don't know, for example, David Alaba, who's who did not even get a contract offer before his final year of his contract. it, it It's just it just boggles the mind how much clout power seems to have behind the scenes for a guy who does not. The thing is, who has, who is who we ended villainizing
1: Alaba in the end. We ended yeah. up villainizing Alaba in the end. We were like, yeah, we oh, did. he always wanted to leave. It was always about mm. the money.
0: Meanwhile, Pavard actually re- wants to leave and actually is missing training. When well, Alaba never did anything unprofessional. He never said anything bad about the club. It's all his agent and stuff. And well, <laughs> even then, Alaba ended up leaving on very, how, how should bitter I say terms. it? On, hmm?
1: Bitter. In a very bitter form. Yeah, in fashion. very bitter
0: terms. And yeah, and whereas Pavard seems to just It's just no one seems to care, but it's very weird to me and very confusing, but I think that we have more or less said all we could about benjamin bard he could have looked at his potential replacements but at this point i do not know enough about each of the replacements however there is a very good article written by seiler on bavarian football works which i will link in the comments of this podcast which looks through all the potential right back candidates that we could get as a replacement the thing is no
1: matter how many replacements we talk about we don't understand what's going on we we don't
0: know what Bayern munich is thinking behind the scenes
1: yeah, ah. the thing is though, I there's something that I clearly cannot for it wrap my mind around, and that is you know how it always felt like Pavard was gonna leave this season, no, he's gonna leave next season, oh, he's gonna leave in the middle of the season. You know how he's always felt that way with Pavard, right? I mean, I don't know, I, I always felt that way.
0: I have it never felt like Pavard felt wanted that to way. stay. I, I just felt that Pavard was necessarily like he never really had that proper love for Bayern Munich but I thought he might sign a new contract if he gave into it because
1: we always had rumors coming in about Pavard like every other every every end of the season that'd be like XYZ club is interested in Pavard
0: yeah well
1: the, the news never really refreshed all that much until like a city it's a, no United gave the bit no city showed interest in Pavard tried for the Walker swap, being, Then United gave a bid and got rejected by Bayern Munich. They were like, 30 is not enough. We need 60. And then there's Inter right now providing what seems like a pretty low bid as well. Well,
0: Inter, uh, the thing is that the reason the bid is low is because Harry Maguire did not want to go to West Ham. So Man United don't have the squad space to bid for Pavard, which is very annoying. And, well, I don't even know what to say to that. But anyway, I think we have spoken about as much about Benjamin Pavard as. I think it is humanly possible to speak about absolutely, single player. Yeah. And I think we should wrap it up here because we have spoken yeah, at length about the game and about the Pavar situation. We don't have any other super major topic. If anyone wants to hear about our opinions on Daniel Perret and the goalkeeper situation, please check out our previous main podcast episode where we did talk about that in detail. And do check out Chuck's weekend warm up and rest of our episodes because Bavarian Podcast Works, we record this every single week. So this is very much an ongoing project where we accumulate our opinions and we like develop something akin to a very good body of work. We are very happy that you're listening to us. And well, that's pretty much it from us today. This was I Need No Name and Swez. Thank you for listening and good night.